Hello, and welcome to Forming, a podcast with the Diocese of Southern Ohio Formation Team. And today, we will be talking about the creatureliness of God as we continue our season two with the season of ordinary time. And as always, we have Amy Houghton with us. Hi, everybody. It's Amy again. It's really good to be here as a guest uh, representing the work of Becoming Beloved Community. And I'm really happy to be joined today by Catherine Duffy in this conversation around the creatureliness of God. So welcome, Catherine. Thanks, Amy. Hi, everybody. This is Catherine. I am also pleased to be with you. I guess I'm representing um, our diocesan creation care and environmental justice task force, but really just representing myself as a creature and all of you other creatures who are joining this conversation with us. So thank you for having me. Awesome. And I'm Emma. It's great to be back with you and um, yeah, excited to join in this conversation. So I think what we'll do is we're, I just want us to do what we've done in the past couple of conversations, which we're just going to kind of ground ourselves in the content that we've created for the ordinary zane. Um, And so again, this week, we're really exploring this theme around the creatureliness of God. And I kind of, I laugh as I stumble a bit over that term because Catherine and I just had a conversation yesterday. What is creatureliness? And so it is kind of an awkward term, but I think actually that pretty much reflects what it means as well. But so I think having said that, let's, let's just begin with, um, with the text. And I actually, I want us to begin today as Emma referenced, we earlier, we began with the Newell text last week, and I'd like us to turn to Job chapter 12, seven to 10. So we're going to begin with scripture today. And so Job chapter 12, seven to 10, it begins with this, but ask the animals and they will teach you the birds of the air, and they will tell you. Ask the plants of the earth, and they will teach you. And the fish of the sea will declare to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? And his hand is the life of every living being and the breath of every human being. So I think as we turn to that text, Catherine, again, thank you for saying yes to this, to this conversation. And before I ask you just in terms of like what rises in you as we, as we listen to that text and those words, I want to say a bit about why we've invited you to this conversation. Um, As Emma, Christopher, and I were working on the zine and the content I think we were wondering who who do we want to be in conversation around each one of these themes. And for me, you were at the top of that list, Catherine. Um, and as you said, in some ways, yes, it's because of the work that you've done around creation, care, and environmental justice in our diocese. And yes, it's because of the work that you've done around becoming beloved community. And really so much of it is because of the conversations you and I've had, these like deep soul conversations and getting to know you as a sister and a friend. And I think you are someone for me who really, who understands this knowing, who finds God in all living beings, in the earth, and as the scripture says, in the the animals and in the birds of the air, and you draw energy 
and source from, from life and from the earth. And so I wanted to just say that in terms of why we've invited you to this conversation. And so I'm just curious for you, maybe say something about why you said yes, even knowing like what is creatureliness and what comes up for you as we turn to that, that scripture. Why I said yes to this. Um, it is, I think it's life-giving for, for me and for the church as a whole to really pause and grapple with some of these big questions. I think with just our world being so busy, but also with our church, with the liturgy and things being um, at times so um, uh, measured and and exact and moving forward along specific lines, I think sometimes it's really um, transforming and opening to stop and sort of look between the lines, look at, look at where the where things are a little bit more fluid and a little bit more um, messy is the word that's coming to my mind, but I don't mean messy in a bad way. Actually, the other word that's coming to my mind is is dirty. And by that, I mean dirty, like sticking your hands in the dirt where things can be a little less structured. And, and I just love having conversations um, around those topics because I think the, those are the new places for us. Those are the, the places of ourselves that sometimes we forget about. And so how can we draw ourselves back into those places outside of the things that we think we already know into this, this kind of unfolding mystery? So I said yes for the opportunity to engage in that particular conversation with you, all of you guys, all of these people, you all who I know to be people who, who like to wrestle with these same questions. So you've invited me into something that's going to be engaging and transformative for me. So I feel like actually you're, you did me a favor. So thank you. Gosh, that text is a really, um, is a really big one. And what comes up to me the first time that I read it in preparation for this conversation is really just where God exists outside of us, right? Where God exists in the other world that God made that is not the human world. And reflecting on that and, and just thinking about the way there's so much of God that's alive, that speaks a wisdom that's um, not ours, that we didn't create or invent, it just right-sizes us. It right-sizes humans in their place in creation, not bigger than, not, not atop, but really alongside. When you think about the fact that there's wisdom and there's knowledge that exists that actually is not ours, it has nothing um, not that it has nothing to do with us, but that we didn't create it. How about you? Let me ask you that question back. I know you didn't invite me here to be the question asker, but. Well, I, um, yes, I want to be in conversation. And I just have to say, before I even respond, I love that term right size, that it right sizes us. There's something about, I think there's so much of our, in fact, part of why we wanted to go back as a formation team to our creation story is there's so much that has been passed down in terms of power over, dominion over, domination over. And this term that you offer, right size, it is, it's like putting ourselves in relation, in right relationship with all of creation. So say something else about that term and what that means for you. And maybe even offer up an example of where you felt that and in that experience, how, what did that mean for your relationship with God? I'm really glad you asked me that question back because that term is something very meaningful to me and it does have to do with creation, but 
I'm going to sort of walk to it sideways because actually I think the way I'm going to explain sounds like it doesn't have to do with creation, but it actually does. So I recently just finished a really very busy stretch of time, a lot of class and a lot of just meetings and all this, and then some family trips and just a lot of things that felt like um, things that I had to do. And, um, you know, when you feel like you have to do something, you sort of lose some of the, the joy because you feel like you're not actually choosing to do it right. And so I intentionally blocked out the last week of May and the first week of June on my calendar. And actually what I wrote on my calendar is blocked the whole thing out. And I just wrote, no, on my calendar. And that was it, right? No. And that act of telling folks in the standing meetings that I had that I was not going to be there during those two weeks and saying no to new requests to put um, put time on my calendar to do certain things, just having to say no to that, that actually really helped me right-size myself within the world, right? Like all of these things that we're doing in this in this thing that we call the church and this thing that we call the kingdom, they don't revolve around me and me being willing to show up at a particular time. So I really took some time to right-size myself within um, the structures that I'd created in my own life. And what I did with that time is something that I have really missed in all the busyness and something that I used to do you know, weekly when I had a little bit more free time than I have now, which is just go out into the woods, camp and kayak and mountain bike and, and, and just be still and I don't know, engage my senses, hearing what was going on out there and and smelling the, the, the smell of the earth, you know, what that smells like when you're out there um, in the woods and just camped out in the woods with my husband and my dogs for a few days and re- right-sized myself, you know, within, within the vastness of creation. So it was kind of this double um, understanding of how I just wasn't in a good way as big as some of the pieces of, of life had wanted to force me to believe. And I don't think it's an accident that spending time out in nature I don't even want to say in the quiet because nature is not quiet. It's just free of all the noise that we surround ourselves with, but it's not quiet at all. So just listening and feeling this whole other system that's so much bigger than humans um, and is really healthy without our involvement, how transformative that was for me and how refreshing that was. So that's the meaning of that term for me. And that's that whole, I hold on to that. I hold on to that as a reminder of my own size relative to all of God's creation. Thank you. That's so juicy. And I love that you took us right to this like direct experience with God through our senses and through our humanity. And I think so much of our spiritual journey and in church, it can be actually to transcend that. It reminds me actually a bit of the conversation you and I had yesterday about the relationship between ascent and descent and like, what does it mean to actually occupy our human bodies (laughs) and to kind of sink deeper and deeper in our humanity, which I feel like is so much of what we're called to now as a balance to this ascent or like this wanting to get out of 
wanting to be less and less human and more and more spiritually awakened. But part of that is like actually getting in touch more and more as well. In addition with our humanity, I want to take us to this text actually from John Philip Newell and see where this might lead us as we continue um, to kind of explore this idea of not only idea, but this experience of God and the creatureliness of God. So John Philip Newell, he writes, this is from the book of creation. Um, Our knowledge of God is not an external deposit of truth, watched over in an unaltered form from age to age by the authority of the church. Rather, it is an experience of God that comes to us in the use of our inner senses, whether that be through the scriptures and sacraments or through creation and one another. The desire for God should not lead to a denial of our creatureliness and a subsequent looking away from life. Rather, it should lead us to the renewing of our senses, that we may be aware of God within life and at the very heart of who we are. And so for me, again, kind of back to this piece I was just naming about how do we become more and more human? For me, what I hear you speaking to in terms of right-sizing us is how do we make more and more room for God and the divine in our lives, but understand that we encounter God and the divine paradoxically through our own human condition. It's through our own humanity that we experience and encounter that. And so I just, you know, offer it back up to you, Catherine. And I also, I guess what I'll ask too at this point, I'm, I'm so aware that you are someone who has said yes to the vocation and the call of priest in this particular time, this historical moment in this time in our church too. And so I'm curious how all this lands in you and you, as you, as you form yourself as priest in an institution that as we're kind of naming, makes some of this encounter hard or there's some limits there. What are you learning as you in your own formation as priest. You said something a couple sentences ago, I think before you read the reading from John Philip Newell about being less human and and hearing you read the reading and hearing you walk through that, where my mind went was not what you meant because really we are not trying to be less human. We're trying to be more human. We're trying to be the humans that God intends us to do. And we, we, have, we have made ourselves less human by creating this, distance from God and the rest of God's creation. And so as we try, as I try, as we all try to close this gap, I mean, you raise such an interesting question about vocation, about the institution of the church. Um, I mean, I think the short answer to your question is it's hard to know long-term what I think the answer is going to be. I don't know because I've always believed in the institution. I've been an Episcopalian my entire life. I always say I didn't choose the church. The church chose me. I mean, probably the more accurate thing to say is my parents chose it for me, but I've never considered leaving. And at the same time, the more I know the institution, the more I find myself very split. I want to hold on to it. I want to cling to it. And at the same time, I want to infuse it with that humanity. I I want all people, lay people, ordained people, to be able to, to be the human that we're describing, connected with God, connected with creation within that institution. And I think as a person, you know, traveling through the 
the path of, of seminary education and postulancy and, and having people sort of assess you around every corner, you come up all the time against traditional ways of doing things. And the choice to be in a new way can feel risky in the sense that I recognize the risk of, of, of wanting to enter an institution and wanting to do things somewhat differently at the same time. Um, it is a really difficult balance to strike, and it's, it's hard to be clear about respecting and loving the things that are good about our tradition and at the same time hoping to guide the faith in a direction of real reconnection with creation, new understanding of, of the way we are humans in the world full of God. I mean, those are, that's some pretty, you know, that's some pretty different stuff from where the majority of our church is um, the conversations that we're having. I'm not sure that I have a clear answer to your question. Um, What I know for myself is that these are questions that I ask myself all the time. How do I remain my authentic self while holding what I believe is an authentic call to the priesthood, while holding a love for the institution, while being willing to kind of let all my expectations go and believe that God is going to guide me in the right direction? yeah, that's that's some hard stuff. And and it's not and and for what it's worth, these are things that every person who's pursuing an authentic life with God will will grapple with. Um, it's not reserved for people pursuing ordination. It's 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 for anybody who truly wants to live to be the person that God is asking them to be. I can hop in and say I've been ordained for roughly 12 years, and I wrestle with the same questions. Uh, so I'm, I'm further along in that journey than Catherine is at this point, but uh, it is still a struggle to come up with an answer to that question. But what kept coming to my mind over and over again as you were speaking is this idea that it's all about being in relationship and seeing the relationship that we have with creation, with our fellow human beings, and in that relationship with one another is how we are building a relationship with God. And so we cannot grow closer to God if we are separating ourselves from one another, if we are separating ourselves from the world God created. Uh, So we have to be in relationship with it, and it has to be a right relationship. So I love that. I think, Amy, you used that word earlier. We have to be in right relationship with creation and with one another. And if we can do that, then we can build that closer relationship with God and just see how we all fit together in that picture that God has created. I'm so glad that you said that, Christopher, because you named something directly that is so important and also, I think, so difficult sometimes for people. And I'll give you an example of how this manifests literally in my life every day, like this time of year, right? So you guys know that we run this garden at our parish at All Saints in New Albany. 
And our mission statement, our goal, the, 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 the deepest desire for this garden is to grow in relationship with God and one another through growing our relationship with creation. And the fact that we grow produce and send it to the food pantry is a really nice byproduct of spending time with one another in the garden and and spending time with creation and spending time with God, but it is not why we're out there. And sometimes I feel very odd saying that out loud. It feels very um, anti-capitalist. It feels very unusual. And I, and, and please know, I'm not saying that I don't think it's important to feed um, hungry people. I do. I do. I deeply do. But what I mean is I think as we feed the hungry, to me, the way that I understand what will, in the end, reduce the actual number of hungry people in the world is real spiritual transformation from people who are not hungry, right? And so that's why we do what we do, because it will be just as easy for us to take the money that we invest in buying soil and buying seeds every year and buy a bunch of produce and give it to the food pantry, right? But that wouldn't actually do what we feel called to do. That transformation that can happen by being in relationship with creation and by being in relationship with one another and therefore relationship with God. I mean, there's no, there's no substitute for that. One of the things that, um, and I follow the garden on Facebook, Catherine. And so it's I'm so, so cool. Um, I, and my house am not the green thumb. My husband generally is, but I really love to garden. My mom grew up on a farm, my parents gardened. Right. Um, but I think part of our creatureliness is our need for community. And so another thing that I hear in regards to your, um, to the garden at all saints is like, it meets so many needs, right? It, the point of it is to grow in relationship to God, but you've built an entire community around that, that, you know, taking the money and having one person go to the grocery store and then just delivering food that really had no community, built around it. Like, again, that just wouldn't meet the, so many of the purposes that this garden has, um, and is serving. And I just, you know, when I think about creatureliness, which is such an interesting word, right? It sort of feels both like a little bit exotic and animal like, but also kind of calls me into my own body, right? Like I am a creature. I am like, I like have a body. We all have this way that we exist in the world. But I think for me, so much of that is about community building, and needing to be with others. And so I don't want to call it a project, but the garden at, at all sense, I mean, what an amazing way to be living into that. You know, it is so funny next time, if you ever invite me back, I'll tell you the story of how the garden actually came to be and how completely and entirely accidental the whole thing was. And I hope, you know, I hope we continue to, to just grow and, and be whatever God intends us to be. But you're, you're calling to mind a conversation I had with a dear friend that I had lunch with just today, which is really, it, it ties in, Amy, to what you were saying earlier about the institution of the church, because, you know, we talk about the garden and you're right, Emma, everything you just said is right. I mean, people, 
people are coming together in community who would have no reason to know each other regardless. I mean, we have people coming in from New Albany community that don't go to All Saints, that that will never go to All Saints. They're not Christian. They're, they're whatever other religions they are. They're not religious at all. And yet we're still doing something that is greater than the sum of the parts, right? There's something that exists there, some magic. And to me, that magic is the Holy Spirit, but I don't know if other people would name it in the same way. And the conversation that I was having is about, is that okay? When you're facing an institution that's changing, where I think a lot of people within our church are really focused on, you know, growing numbers and inviting new people to church and keeping the doors of churches open. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where in this regard is where I find myself that I'm not doing that. I'm not recruiting people to join all saints or any Episcopal church. And it's not even intentional. It's literally that it has never just been a focus of what we're doing out in that space that it's not that it's secular it's not secular. We do it because we feel like we're called by, by the gospel. We're called as Christians to do this work. And yet we're not inviting people to church. We're just doing the work. And so it's just this completely different way of being in community that exists. It's like institution adjacent. And I don't know what that means. If anything, it'll probably mean something, you know, in 15 years when, when, we're all talking about the way the church looks different, you know, than it, than it did and so on. It, it may mean something, but right now I'm not exactly sure what it means. I'm just sort of leaning into it. Well, you know, it's interesting because actually for me, Catherine, you're naming, it's a whole new expression of church. Like you're, you are creating, it is an invitation. You are practicing church. It's where Jesus said is where two or more are gathered and you're inviting the, the root of religion is to reconnect. It's the ligament. And so that's literally like what you're practicing together. And so I don't even know if it's a J or if it even matters whether how, whatever its relationship with it, with the institution. But for me, when I hear you talk about the garden, is it is church. And it also reminds me back to the text and some of the content that we've been working with is like the indigenous way, the Celtic way was church was in the oaks. It was in the woods. It was there. It wasn't in the buildings in the same way. There was just a whole other understanding of it. And so it's interesting because I know that part of the content that we use for this week was also drawing on the wisdom of Robin Wall Kimmerer, who talks a lot about, you know, indigeneity and offers up this honorable harvest. But, you know, I'm saying that to say it does feel like these expressions, these experience, these direct experiences with the sacred and the divine in nature and not nature outside of ourselves, but actually tapping into ourselves as part of nature is a really powerful expression of church. Um, And that's what I hear in your description of the garden. Another thing I love so much about all of this, you know, I've seen some like very memed things just talking about how like gardening is a form of resistance and growing our own things, growing things for each other and for other people. But also, you know, I'm just thinking about like, really existing in our body and building community with those around us and being in community with nature. And like Amy said, in the Oaks, in the woods, like what a form of beautiful resistance against this idea that things have to then line back up, right? Our world has been sort of 
tossed around in a million ways over the last few years. And I think the biggest shame would be if suddenly we all kind of just lined back up like little ants in a row because we were like, perfect, everything is like clear again. But what a cool form of resistance that this garden is, is church for this, you know, for your community and is a form of being just in the world. And to answer the question of what does this have to do with the institution of the church? Uh, And for me, if our future priests in the church are going to think like you, then the church is in a good spot. Because what you're talking about is a shift from the model of the institution of the church existing to perpetuate itself into a model of the institution of the church existing to build community, to build relationship, to be one with creation and one another, and to do all of those things. And that's what the church should be about. And so with you as a member of the priesthood in a few years, uh, we will be all the richer for your presence. And I look forward to that day. As a non a non ordained human, Ab- absolutely, yeah. I could not do this <laughs> work without the laity. Yeah, no, and I and I want to I want to wave that flag too, right? Because in case any members of the Commission on Ministry are listening to this, I do want to say that there are a lot of steps between now and then, and my um, my seminary colleagues who are moving closer to the ordinate their own ordination dates are always reminding us, God willing, and the people consenting, but. Regardless, my hope, my hope for God's call in my life is that whatever happens with, with my own ordination track, you know, I, I remain focused on living out God's call. And, and this is a little off track, so feel free to reel me back in if we don't want to go down this path. But Christopher, you did make me think of something, and it, it does have to do with the institution, because I don't talk about this all that much, but now since I'm putting it on a podcast, it won't be a huge secret, but this is my second postulancy. Um, My first postulancy was more than 15 years ago now when I was um, in my 20s. And for various reasons, but financial is really the easiest way to sum it up. I wasn't able to continue at that time um, when I was about to enroll at VTS. So Christopher, you and I might have overlapped at VTS if I had actually been able to go at that time. And what I recognize, the reason I bring it up is because um, I recognize that my willingness to potentially exist outside the institution, potentially try to carve out a corner of the institution that speaks differently about its relationship with creation, that's privilege. That is my privilege as an older person who had a career, who's married to an older person who had, had a career, you know, of being established. And I say that only out of respect, actually, for people who took this leap when they were younger, not knowing whether the church was going to be able to support them going forward. It's a lot easier 
to say, I'm going to do church differently when you don't need the church to pay your light bill, if you know what I mean. And so it actually, in addition to really having a lot of respect for clergy people and potential clergy who took a different path than I did, it's incredibly humbling. It reminds me of my own faithlessness, my own fear that I had back then. And it reminds me, it makes me feel that I owe something back to people who, who are stepping out on faith um, in a way that I wasn't able to or that I chose not to at that time in my life. Catherine, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm just grateful to have you as part of our community and our church and every capacity that you have been and will continue to be. Yeah. And you know, for me, Catherine, listening to that, I think the other thing that that really speaks to for me, it's very much tied to this theme of understanding ourselves in right relationship with all of life is it's really a a piece about solidarity that each one of us is responsible for the whole. And each one of us can play different parts based on our own social positioning and our own, all the things that place us wherever we are within that context of that corporate life. But I think understanding that that responsibility and, and not taking that for granted and stepping up and contributing in whatever way we can, um, knowing that we are playing an essential role in a bigger thing. I think that's what, that's part for me, part of what I hear you saying. And I think the question is too, how do we, it's hard sometimes to acknowledge these things, these different roles that each of us play. Sometimes this is where we can kind of bump up against one another. But again, that's where we actually, when we have the courage to do that and lean in and say, this is the piece that I can pick up. And this is the part that I can contribute. That's actually in those moments where we do meet the divine and the sacred. That is where we meet it. If we can have the courage to act from love and not from fear and to actually lean into fear, as I hear you saying, like, you know, there's, that's part of what was present. So I'll offer that up. And I know we're kind of coming here to a close. And I guess as we do begin to wrap up here, just an invitation to what, what still feels like it's on your heart that wants to be uttered. What do we want to offer up as we, as we come to close here? I just say one more thing that came up at the beginning when you were talking, Amy, way at the beginning. And then again, you, you said it now about, you know, there, there are, cor- there's a corporate body of, of people, right? There's, there's all the other there humans in the world and there's a corporate body of creation um, that we are always in relationship with. So I try to remind myself, I try to sit with the feeling of not only are we trying to care for the earth but there's an aspect of the earth caring for us as well. Um, and allowing that, allowing that flow is what really draws us into relationship with divine. We are not separate from, it is a, a, a mutual relationship. You know, corporate, you know, the root word of that is, is body. And so, you know, it immediately goes to just the corpus, right? Like the human body, but creation is its own body all of it, everything, everything that's made. And it's a constant reminder, right? That however, however we need to reconnect and remind ourselves, I I would think that would be time well spent to reconnect with the non-human world. Thank you so much. 
as uh, I think a perfect segue into the closing prayer for uh, today's podcast. Apprehend God in all things, for God is in all things. Every single creature is full of God and is a book about God. Every creature is a word of God. If I spent enough time with the tiniest creature, even a caterpillar, I would never have to prepare a sermon. So full of God is every creature. Amen. 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 Catherine, thank you so much for joining us. Amy, thank you so much for hosting the discussion. Uh, And to those of you who are listening, thank you for tuning in, and I hope to see you back next week.